There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone and welcome to the return of the show. I am Ben. That's Jose, and this is the show where we um accidentally record the entire podcast and then realize that a microphone was turned off. Yeah. So uh, um, <laughs> we we've had a very good conversation, and right at the tail end of it, we were like, my microphone wasn't picking up anything, and because I'm such a quiet talker, uh, his mic not, doesn't really pick me up. Nope, nope. Um, welcome I, to audio world. What, yeah, know. welcome to. Sometimes mistakes happen in the audio world. Um, we are a. This is a hobbyist group, essentially. Uh, I think this is also just definitely playing the part that we should have recorded yesterday, regardless of <laughs> my shit going on of life. But yeah. Oh yeah, no, this is this is this is karma just coming up yeah. back and forth. First we were off schedule, then I'm like a, half asleep at the wheel at the soundboard yep. and just leaving things muted. <sighs> Welcome to the show, everyone. So, uh, real quick, let's just get into the. Beef and banana. Why beef and bananas? <laughs> Man, you really aren't. <laughs> Man, you know what I really want? That sounds great. Beef and bananas. <laughs> oh, you 
sleep. All right, let's actually try to speak. Yeah, okay. Uh, we're talking, yes, we are talking about um, our little group that has gone into the Feywild. And we're going to focus on them first a little bit because the story has been split. Um, the story was never split. This is a phenomenal change that they did. The pacing's a lot better for this. I think we both agree. Um, it, how, again, like, how are you feeling about... I know we've already had this I know, conversation. I know. So this is strange, but like, how are you feeling about like the actual split party dynamic with this? All right, I think it definitely helps with covering a bunch of story happening all at once. Um, I've said, uh, like I said before, um, split party is not something you usually see in D&D, but um, with stuff we'll either mention maybe or not. Um, for storytelling-wise for this and covering a lot of ground, I think it works really well. Yeah, you normally always see people avoiding splitting the party for gameplay reasons. And also, like, it's impossible to tell two sped-up stories when you split the party. Like, you can't actually get anything done on a timetable in-game as far as real-world time when you split a party, so people do not do it. Yeah. Um, but you can do that here, even if it was unintentional, the pace of the story is better, and it doesn't feel like we're losing weeks in the Feywild, and it also doesn't lose, feel like we're losing weeks in the real world. So, <laughs> yeah. like, we're we're doing a great job as far as how this is done. So, the Feywild team consists of, essentially, the couples, or the ship couples, I should say, because not all of them are solidified. And even, actually, you know what? Even Vax and, um, even Vax and Keyleth aren't solidified. Yeah. Like, they kind of... We just had that one moment in season one where, like, Vax just pulls out to say, like, hey, I'm I, kind of into you. It's like, we're about to die! <laughs> this is horrible! Um, which, you know, actually, they did cut something from that originally that I think actually would have made it a lot better. Originally, Vax kind of lays it out of, like, hey, I said what I said. I meant it in the moment because if I died and I never said it, I would have regretted it. Mm-hmm. Come to me. You do with that... You do that with whatever information you, do you will. Them. Yeah. And if you want me, you know where to find me. And he left at that. It was this really sort of like beautiful moment where it allowed them to let the relationship play out at a different pace where the ball was very much in Kayla's court and Kayla had to figure out what she was doing and eventually would solidify that relationship. Right. Um, they didn't really make it obvious that that's what happened in this. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I think the funny thing is like, we really haven't had much of that since yeah. then. We, it's like, we, I don't know if they were just like, people were ugh, people were upset that that happened then. I'm just like, that's when it happened in the game, and it's important that that's when that happened in the game. But because of the way that the series is paced, it didn't have the reward of that moment originally. Right. So, like, I, I will say, we did get some good one-on-one time, but Vax is being, I don't want to say he's being a needy bitch, but he's being an edgy bitch for sure yeah. this entire time. It's the edgy rogue archetype. Edgy rogue. He's so edgy that the Feywild, a place of whimsical vibes, is like, you're not allowed here. He gives Shadow the Hedgehog a run for his money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, no oh my no God. one can give Shadow a run for his edgy. No one, I mean, like, to me, Shadow, I, I, can't, I have such a hard time drawing a line between Shadow the Hedgehog and the fan edits and fan videos <laughs> versus the actual character. Because somehow all the fan voiceovers of Shadow are just like, yeah, he'd say that. I'll just leave it to um any dialogue he says in the Shadow the Hedgehog game. Oh my god. Uh, Alright. <laughs> I That was my first Sonic game, by the way. I should also preface first Sonic game. Shadow the Hedgehog. Uh, yeah, the, the entire vibe that he's having in the Feywild is like kind of... 
it's it's foreshadowing is like what it is we are getting the idea that he's on a much darker path he even says so so much to his fellow edgy fighter um <laughs> percy. percy who is admittedly way less edgy because he's just kind of living out his childlike fantasies yeah. of being in the feywild it's like being in the dream world literally yeah it's um i mean the feywild and like ideas of the dream world are always kind of linked it's so strange like i love fey mythology um it's it, in my opinion, it's some of the best like folk horror that there is. It's always a very, uh, very nice, interesting, sometimes unique thing. Like the way it can just go about. Yeah, it's it's very like it's always been very Alice in Wonderworld and Wonderland esque. Everything about the Feywild. This is my favorite setting. I said it so many times in the previous recording, but I just really want to emphasize this is my favorite setting. This is hopefully not the last of the Feywild that we are seeing because we skipped a lot of really amazing story arcs that would have been great for us to have yeah so one of course being when uh i don't know if we should talk about it right now no, but we, when we, uh we bring it up when vex it. gets the bow and the whole father issue thing with like that yeah. about how for one the father's a prick yeah um yeah and he's like bring, bring uh show me the bow and then uh we'll see we'll show you the welcome you think you deserve like, yeah fuck him so originally um fans were uh really upset on twitter because uh, the moment that we all wanted finally happened of Percival Dorolo the third. I'm not even going to try <laughs> the rest. And I have been a part of this fandom for a very long time. Um, Percy does the thing where he gives Vex a title as a flex in order to say, you need to respect her. And um, originally in game, Matt Mercer didn't know what to do about this. So he folded. Um, but... The fact is that Sealder probably would have seen through it, but also something that, as much as we love that moment, I think a lot of people are forgetting that this actually does take agency away from Vex in her own storyline involving her father. So this has allowed us to be like, okay, you may have had the last laugh, but Vex has that bow. And when she shows up again, either when they go back to the Feywild for whatever other purposes that they have later in the campaign... <laughs> Or if your city comes back to comes back, to, I know I said the waking world, the material plane, and we show up there and you find out that we're heroes, you're gonna have to eat shit. Yep. Which I can't wait for. I'm that. so I, I will eat. <laughs> I will eat when this happens. Let let, let the series cook, guys. Yeah, it's cooking just, good shit. It, it, it is cooking really good shit. <laughs> I will I will say this season. It's just there's something different in it. Like last season was yeah. good, but like I don't know if they put like special sauce in it. Oh yeah. Like I, it's it, they're just they're nailing it. It's they're nailing it. I'm um, loving every episode. Yeah, and then um the the entirety of this is like the other major character that we are introduced to in the Fae is honestly uh a, a little guy, a little dude, just a mischievous boy. Garmali. Um, so we had a conversation last time. He is a satyr. Yep. Uh, or satyr. I prefer satyr. Um, so the, like, as far as he is concerned, what were your initial thoughts? And then what was your reaction when he was revealed to be not exactly a satyr? Initial reaction? Uh, I could not care much. <laughs> I really could. I was like, okay, cool. There's a fake guy guy in them. Sure. Nice. Awesome. Um, then the reveal part, I'm still not too sure about, sure about, because of how much of what he'll play in the future, role-wise. But, um, it was a bit surprising, though, that, um, he was just, uh, he was just, some, 
being something else. He's so he is um he's very in line with how fake creatures exist, period. Um and he's honestly the best window that we have into the fae. Because what some of the stuff that we've been denied is like seeing how the Fae Wild actually works um in I'm not gonna say in game, because a lot of the stuff that's in the Wizards of the Coast game book is creative common stuff that just exists in Fae mythology. So, like, the idea of, like, oh, you, it's, like, you understand where you are in the Fae based off of the fact that, like, oh, the sun and the moon just kind of stay still in the sky. So, like, there's a day part of the Fae, there's a night part of the Fae, there's a twilight part of the Fae. Over there, it's autumn, but, like, <laughs> over there, it's winter. Like, there's, that's, like, how some of the cool geography plays out, and it's a wonderful sort of dreamy-esque thing. But also, the creatures in it are just mischievous dudes, and sometimes... They're mischievous and playful, and sometimes they're mischievous and will wear your skin. And ruthless, yep. Yeah. So, like, we don't get to experience a lot of this in here, but we had a much better look in the original campaign. Um, And honestly, if they ever adapt uh, campaign three into a true... um, into a true animation, we will be seeing a lot more of the Feywild then, and then it will become intrinsically more part of the story. But as far as its role in the story in campaign one, it's much more about this is an alternate dimension and showing the fact that they have to be jumping between planes in order to get these things. Like, these are the lengths that these characters are going to in order to actually get the things that they need. Yeah. Which is absolute insanity. The, um, and then him being a bigger dude, um, more powerful... We're going to leave that for later because uh, he's going to be showing up more probably next season, honestly, because he's a I said it to you beforehand, but he's actually probably one of the most important characters in the mythos of uh, Exandria, period. Yeah, and I have no idea what that means. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like that little mischievous dude. Really big deal. (laughs) Really big deal. He's I promise you really big deal. Yet still, he'll still carry the same vibe of being just a little guy yeah. the entire time, which I have to give respect for. Speaking of just little guys, Pike's not dead. Yeah. She got skewered. She's fine. Um, she She's able to heal herself. We have now answered the question, can the cleric heal themselves? The answer is yes. Um, the <laughs> other question, though, of what was going to happen with Pike's sword, not Pike's sword, Grog's sword, Craven Edge. Edge. Yep. You thought that this was pretty much par for the course. Yes. Uh, so as like one of the main thing I did ideas was at seeing what happened was basically the sword would come alive. Um, but uh, what we see happen, of course, was um, Grog's slightly corrupted or taken. Listening to listen to yeah. it right here by the end, and he goes. He's walking towards Scanlan and uh, Pike. Yeah. But uh, he comes together and then managed to break the sword. So. The original pieces of this, and um, I've seen Lest Outcry over this because I actually think that a lot of people agree that this was a good decision. Grog fucking died. Just dead. He was he he was doing his thing. He was honestly in this moment, he was just chopping down monsters. The entire thing with Pike was uh, I have to issue a correction from last episode. Pike did get stabbed by Grog, but it was entirely by accident and wasn't even rushed on by Craven Edge. It was Grog trying to get out of a magical trap by throwing his sword that was attached to a chain and pulling him out of the trap. 
Yeah. And it skewered Pike in the process because he rolled a natural one. For those who weren't sure, we're talking about uh, the, sh- the campaign streaming. Yes, the campaign stream. So that's how it originally went down. Um, the other way, though, was that, like, the sword, as he absorbed more blood, made him stronger and stronger and stronger. Literally adding points to his strength, I think, to a max of 30. Mm-hmm. And then once he hit that 30 mark, there would suddenly be a moment of shock and he had to make a constitution save. And if he failed it, he just flat out died. Yeah. And uh, what, what, I, what I mentioned for that was that story-wise, storytelling-wise, that it works better for how it, they're doing it in the show than trying to adapt that uh, rule set yeah. um, ability thing into uh, from D&D. Yeah, and the, this is one of the things that like I was so concerned about is like, are they going to do a soft magic system or hard magic system? Because in season one... It didn't seem like they could make up their mind. They've completely gone into soft magic um, with limited rules for really important spells. So, like, the way that they're doing this is, like, you understand that Pike has a basic set of combat stuff that she can do, kind of like a superhero. Yeah. And the same thing goes for Keyleth. So those are our two main casters. But as far as using magic to solve problems, if it's outside of that scope, they either introduce a new thing that can do it, or... They just do whatever makes the most sense for the story within the rules that they've already set. And in this case, Grog not dying, but instead being incredibly weak, and then his weakness directly playing into the conflict of the rest of the story, miles better. Especially Mm. now that we're getting introduced to Kevdak. Yeah. Um, And before we got to talk about Kevdak, we got to talk about the man, the boy. (laughs) We got to talk about Uncle Will Hant. Yeah. Grandpa Wilhand. Papa Wilhand. Papa Wilhand. He's he he's just a good dude. I, I I said this beforehand, but like this is a character that we barely had time with in the stream. I've only ever actually gotten to know him over the comics. So seeing him animated and voiced, oh, yeah, uh, ten out of ten. So I want I want to be real, real brief. The the best part about these three episodes was the wholesome moments with Wilhand and uh, Vex and Vex's half sister. But yeah, yeah. The he, he's just a wholesome dude. I love him, and then, honestly, the thing that makes me love him more is the way that he ties into Grog's backstory. Yeah, which is, uh, I, I cannot figure out, I mean, I cannot think of what his backstory would be like, but this, like, whole thing, this whole thing with Grog like, blew my mind with how amazing it was. Well, because originally, he's just displayed as, that's the dumb barbarian. Yep, it was, he was the archetype to a T, and was- I did not like that. <laughs> And here's the thing, he is, like, this is Travis Willingham's first D&D character. So, like, a lot of people, when they, you have your first D&D character, you make um, the fantasy racist stereotypes for your character. Um, you follow the build to a T, yeah. they're stat-wise, whatever. Mine, my first uh, one was a drunk dwarf. <laughs> so, yeah, like, it's... Wow, what was the first character I created? I know the first one I used was um, a pre-made character sheet. But um, oh, the, the first one, one you created yourself—that's a different vibe, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The it's it's that moment of like you can see like first character people are slipping into archetypes. I mean, like even Keyleth is a stereotypical druid. Like she's like, oh, I love all the trees. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna talk to every single plant. Like Scanlan's the flirty bard. Yeah, Scanlan's <laughs> the horny bard. Like ugh, we we get really. Even though they are the fantasy archetypes for D&D, it is baffling how good the storytelling is yeah. in combination with it. 
and like Grog's entire thing. Um, were you expecting him to have this much of a murderous past? Not necessarily, no. Um, seeing how everything uh, goes, we can like, definitely tell it was one of Kevdak's influence as well as other people going along with it. And um, I don't know how we, how would you even word it. Just like uh, nature, <laughs> nature, I, I instincts. Don't know, I don't know if I would say nature or instincts because Grog is Grog like is a soft boy. Yeah, like he he he's he can be violent, he can be scary, but at, at his heart, he's a soft boy. He's like I'm not cutting down an old man who like is wearing a thing of him with his little granddaughter um and like he's like i'm not doing that he's not fighting like also we're not even in the, like he's barely in the town yeah he's like on the outskirts he's got nothing and kevdak is like you show weakness and then the entire thing is like grog kevdak basically leaves yeah yeah, Grog decks his uh, his cousin, Kevdak's son, and Kevdak uh, just... Kevdak beats the absolute shit out of him and leaves him to die. Those fucking Titan Stone Knuckles. Yeah. Oh my god. Th- that opening scene, just like, I'm gonna grab this head. Yeah. She doesn't have a neck anymore. No warning, by the way. It was just... It just happened. I, it, my jaw hit the floor when that scene dropped. I was fully like, oh, we're doing a different arc that was in here and they combined what was essentially an arc that was a sacking of a farm town outside of outside of west run into this moment of like oh it is that sacking of the farm of a farm town but grog's doing the sacking yeah. which was really good characterization really let us know like how deep grog was in it because grog was cutting down civilians yeah and this was uh according to the dialogue from kevdak it's one of the first times he went on a raid with them i think so i, I at least very early on i i think it's early on so like in greater lore um it's also implied that grog's father is dead um it, and Grog's father was considered weak. Okay. So I'm not sure if Grog's father was perhaps killed on a raid because he was weak, or if Kevdak offed Grog's father for um, similar reasons to how we see him beating the shit out of his son later in the episode. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he did yeah, off his father. Because I, I feel like story-wise, it would make the most sense of, like, this is the person that killed your father, Grog, and then you had to live under his rule and he was a tyrant to you. It like it makes sense for Grog to get his comeuppance with yeah. that. Also, like um, from the way that they play it out, like if you're if you're if you're against with me uh, against me, try to challenge me, and if you fail, that's on you. Yeah. And then it's so, like he could have easily either challenged uh, Grog's father or anything like that. Like it it really does fit with Kevdak's tyrant. I, I think it what I think it may have been a challenge actually because the entire setup that we get at the end of this episode is grog challenging kevdak essentially to a one-on-one yeah um which okay what is their plan <laughs> what's the what's the play here because everyone right up before that is like grog don't do it you'll die and i don't think scanlan or especially pike would just let him do that absolutely so uh just like i brought up this is grog's shonen protagonist arc Yes, <laughs> he's he's going to defeat Kevdak with the power of friendship. So question, is this going to be just like he's fighting for the little guy? And then like as um, as previously stated by Wilhand, it's going to turn into a like you're going to suddenly experience stimulation. Your muscles are going to awaken, which 
I, that could be a very cool moment if they animate it correctly and they built the tension correctly. That really would be. Great. Now I'm even more excited for next I week. I know, God. but it could also be really, it, on the flip side, it could also be really silly if he's like, it's for my friends, and then it's like little power friendship muscles. Yeah. Um, which, they have to ride a line with that. I do wonder, though, if Scanlan and Pike are going to try and fight dirty with him. I feel like that would happen, but I also feel like I know Kevdak would also call it bullshit about how that whole I thing is. But that's how it always is with like a if you try one-on-one fight, challenge type thing. Yeah, if you try to fight dirty in a one-on-one, like you're going to get caught. I feel like, like you'll win, but then you'll get downloaded so hard. I feel like what's going to happen is they're going to try it. They're going to get ousted. And then um, either two things, either Power of Friendship's Muscle Awakening <laughs> or the rest of Vox Machina finally shows up and it's going to be like the Gondor scene where <laughs> they fucking ride in and just a clean shot because now you have two vestiges mm-hmm. uh, with the twins. You know what I'm actually thinking now? And a gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a gun's a big deal. What I'm thinking now is that, um, uh, crap, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember what they gave uh, Grog's cousin's name, but I feel like he might either step in and like, back up grog or like um if anything grog might disband a herd i think that he is a potential ally um yeah. for sure the way that everything's set up he's very much like the entire deal that kevdak has made with umbrasil is super not going in the herd's favor and it doesn't seem like he's the only person in the herd to notice this so that's the entire reason why he gets punched and beaten down is like we should not be doing this. We should be hunting the dragons instead, making them bow down to us. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for us to be dragging them all this treasure. And if we keep doing this, we are going to die. And before we're... he finishes, Kevdak just goes right in, stalks him. Titanstone knuckles are no joke. I'm I'm so excited to see Grog <laughs> with that shit. That's that's gonna be so good. Um, I'm like, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the Kevdak fight. I am. So, like, the the way that that cliffhanger worked completely left me on the edge of my seat. Yeah. I'm upset. I was furious. Yep. <laughs> I'm very upset. Um, I, I don't want to wait till next week, but we gotta on this one, and I, I'm not here for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not here for it. Don't make me wait like that. Um, that being said, we did meet another character that I personally have been very excited for us to meet. Yep. And that is Kaylee. So Kaylee is, um, so first of all, fun fact for everyone that is not familiar with campaign one, Kaylee was um, traveling with what used to actually be Scanlan's group and they cut that storyline. So So the way this show has it is that uh, they're another traveling group who happened to hear of Scanlan's magical performance and stuff. I will say, uh, the small uh, cut of like uh, asking for the autograph. Autograph. And that, that was terrible. Well, I can't get over this because this group, when they were originally introduced, they were introduced um, much earlier in the campaign. They were actually invited as guests. It was either to Whitestone, the Whitestone Palace, or it was at, or it was to Grayskull Keep. Yeah. Which uh, those are the two essential bases throughout the original campaign. Um, and they proceeded to steal all the silverware. <laughs> so originally that goblin was the leader of the troop goblin that orc was the leader of the troop and scanlan was like their right hand man but left because he did it. he just was like seeking other things essentially because scanlan do what scanlan do yeah. and this group eventually came across came across kaylee and picked her up and she's been the scanlan replacement essentially um they do have a good very similar uh, aesthetic 
yeah, they have a very similar aesthetic. So I do want to ask you, um, once again, what do you think Kaylee's role in this is going to be? Because <laughs> with that design amount of attention, she's clearly going to be a bigger character than just like, oh, we meet this gnome and then this gnome goes away. Yeah. And once again, <laughs> once again, uh, we've had this conversation yeah. before. Guys. Uh, I do 100% believe she'll be a key player in the upcoming fight either against just Umberso or against the entire Chroma Conclave. Uh, but I do also, of course, believe that there will be a little bit more of a connection with Scanlan. A little bit more? Yeah. So you originally you originally said, like, ah, I think, like, is that a romance option for Scanlan? I mean, to me, that's a romance. Yeah. It is, yeah, like... When I say a little bit more, a little I, bit more, I, I, you're, I you're mean leaning all into the, the way. romance. <laughs> yeah, I mean okay. all the way. And they're playing... The fact that you have that impression is very good because they're playing into how impressions work in campaign one. Okay. So, like, the fact that that was, even, that that was conveyed means that they are conveying things to play out in a very similar way to stream. We'll get. We'll be learning more about Kaylee. I'm excited for us to figure out what that relationship is, how that's going to solidify itself. Um, she's my favorite part of Campaign One, and she is my favorite part of Scanlan's character because she drastically informs all of his decision making going forward. Yeah, like we see here, of course, that uh, are you, that yeah. that she 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 claims that he was just going to run away again, like always. Yeah, he. he she's the reason why he played the hero and actually got people out of there. Yeah. Which like the amount of story that they're setting up for Scanlan, um, like season one, everything was about Percy. Yeah. And because we got the split party dynamic, we were able to focus on these characters so well for characterization and character development that like, I feel like now in the animation, the characters are now starting to truly be the characters. Like yeah. you're, you fully are starting to understand backstories everyone's place in the world how the group interacts what the group dynamics are and like this is this is just a phenomenal adaptation i i can't get over how good this season is yeah this, in comparison this, to the other season this season really does feel like a, a full-on DD campaign everybody's getting their own little bit of of uh, uh story. development history story and then of course you have uh the main goal yeah and it's it's peppered wonderfully throughout i I have to, I guess Meta Pigeon is Critical Role's <laughs> company for this. So I got to give Meta Pigeon a like huge, just like, you're doing good. Yeah, big kudos to Meta Pigeon. Big kudos to Meta Pigeon, i.e. Sam Regal, <laughs> um, who's the creative director on this. Uh, Sam Regal, you're doing a great job adapting your own story. So take that as you will. You already know that for sure. You know how to do your story. <laughs> you, do, you do know how to do your story. Anyway, Literally. so... Next week, we're going to be diving into figuring out all the rest of these characters and... And the very last three episodes. Last three episodes. So where do you think that these are going to go? Because we also have one big loose end in all this. And that is the fact that uh, it has been now well established that Umbrasil is being helped by none other than Anna Ripley. Yep. And I do believe that the last three episodes for the season will... Deal directly with Umbersell. We've seen Umbersell come back and forth a good amount of time. We've seen him in the Sphinx part. He's he's killed a Sphinx. He's, yeah, he's killed a Sphinx. That Scanlan was Even buddies, like, buddies. In the very first episode, I think he's one of the last dragons to talk or something like that. So like yeah, I, like a small little bit of like foreshadowing possibly. But he's been back and forth throughout these past weeks. So I definitely think uh, this the last bit of this he, season will be directly we'll be dealing with Umbersell. So as far as Anna Ripley's concerned, um, I'm concerned but i'm also questioning 
if they will be ending her story here. Because originally we had nowhere near this much focus on Anna Ripley and giving her this much focus as a foreground villain um, is it feels like they're setting things up. But I'm worried that if we finish the Anna Ripley storyline, it will get messy and it might essentially just shake things up for some major story beats that are supposed to happen later down the line. Yeah, so we agree that um, we will... Uh... Part part of part of the thing we discussed about is that when Vox Machina realizes that uh, Anna Ripley is helping them, that Anna uh, easily gets uh, escapes. Yeah, she should easily escape. I'll be shocked if they finish it off. There is also another possibility though, because in the campaign they don't realize that Anna Ripley is helping the dragons until later on. So there is a chance that we might be seeing this, and because like even Scanlan like it's like, huh, I recognize that voice, but I don't know who it is. Yeah, and they, Anna's position well behind the dragon yeah. from his point of view. There's a solid chance that they just won't realize that Anna that Anna's been involved in this at all. That she's been fighting for power within the Chroma Conclave. Honestly, I kind of like that though, like a secret villain in the shadows type uh, deal. Um. Yeah. She'll. Yeah. Okay. Secret villains in the shadows. That's definitely that's definitely the only role that that will be played on. Um. There's, it's a D&D campaign. Matt Mercer always has things moving in the background. And honestly, we've already seen some of these things moving in the background. If you're an eagle-eyed viewer and you know the story. <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to be getting there. Honestly, I think that there might be an additional reveal at the end of the third episode. episode honestly, that, here. I can see that happening too. I, I see us, we, there will be like, my prediction is that we're going to get hit by a different cliffhanger that's going to lead us into the next storyline. Okay. Um, and that storyline has already been heavily alluded to. And uh, you'll have to come back next week where I'll break down exactly where all that's been alluded to. Because it's been there the entire time. <laughs> and with that, thank you so much. If you liked this episode, like, comment, and subscribe. And also, if you are listening on the podcast feed, Go ahead, leave us a review. And also, if you, if you aren't following the podcast feed, it is the return of the show. You can find it on any of your podcasting apps. Do it now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's my call to action. This is the return of the show. Don't forget your beef and bananas. Don't forget your beef and bananas. <laughs> beef and bananas! Hey, it's Ben here. Haven't done one of these in a while, but just a quick reminder that if you are following, go ahead and make sure you leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher of choice. It does help people find the show. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. It is where all of our content is, and we're really close to monetization. Thanks. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.